0: You are listening to Scott H. Silverman's Happy Hour, a podcast released on the first three Wednesdays of the month. Family crisis, relationship crisis, addiction crisis, no two crisis situations are the same. They vary by family, individual, and relationship. They can encompass complex family dynamics, emotional distress, anger issues, and entitlements, and often involve substance abuse. This podcast addresses these issues and others surrounding the addiction epidemic currently plaguing this country and the world. There is hope and help.
1: Are you stuck, scared, or unsure of what to do next? If a situation with a loved one, spouse, or even a child has started to spiral, possibly becoming dangerous or threatening, it's time to seek help. My name is Scott H. Silverman. I help families navigate crisis situations. I'm the person you turn to in order to get you and your loved ones unstuck.
0: Welcome back to Scott H. Silverman's Happy Hour. This is Michael Glenn Moore. I'm Scott's quiet co-host. Uh, just to let you guys know what I do, since I'm pretty quiet during the recording of these episodes. Yeah, what I, do you do? What yeah, do you yeah, do, Michael? Well, I do something. I'm, I'm behind the scenes. I'm the guy who... Edits the podcast, gets them ready, puts them online, and and so forth. So I'm kind of pretty much behind the scenes, but uh, I'm here as Scott's uh, backup just in case he gets stuck. And he so far he never has, so I haven't been having to t- say too much. But uh, so anyway, let's go. Let's go directly to Scott and let him do an introduction, and and he's going to uh, you know let us know about his phone number and and so forth. Scott, go ahead.
1: Yeah. Speaking about getting stuck, don't, uh, watch what you wish for, Michael. Watch what you wish for. Anyway, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are. And when you're listening to this, this is Scott H. Silverman with Happy Hour. And the name Happy Hour, by the way, came around because it was a time that I used to do a lot of special, special things. And I know Happy Hour is what it is. It's a happy hour. And that's what we hope to do. But we only go for about 30 minutes. My contact info, for those of you that don't know, and hopefully I you know, will always remember what it is, it's uh, your crisis coach yourcrisiscoach.com is the website. And 619-993-2738 is my phone number. So feel free to text me and or call me and or email me through the website. And let's get a conversation going to see how we can be of support to you and yours. Now, Michael, I understand after months and months, yeah, I'm, you know, you're the quiet one, but you've come up with some uh, really cool new information you want to share with our listeners. So uh, would you mind uh, taking a second and telling us uh, what's going to be going on in the near future? Sure. With our to- show.
0: Today's date is August the 1st. That's our recording date for this episode. This episode will be out uh, in a couple of weeks, but um, and that's, so uh, it's August 1st today coming up in the beginning of September. We're going to add visual to our show mm-hmm. So Scott H. Silverman's Happy Hour will be available in audio and on YouTube in a visual format. If you want to, you know, see a little bit more about the podcast and so forth, check out the YouTube episode and uh, watch us. That way you get to see what we all look like, including our guests. So uh, looking forward to that and hopefully uh, we'll, we'll get some new listeners and watchers and things will go great from there.
1: And hopefully we'll get a sponsor so we get some hats with our logo on it and some shirts that actually will fit me. And uh, we can promote that as well. All right. Well, we're going to jump right into it. Thanks for doing all that, by the way, Michael, the quiet one in the group, for putting that together. I think it's going to give people a whole new dimension. And it is kind of nice to be able to look at people when you're talking to them. Well, today we have a a very special guest, Britton Turkett. Did I pronounce that correct? I I look at your name and I hear Brighton, I hear Britton, I hear Broton. So how do you like to pronounce it, Britton?
2: You, you you did it correct. It's it's Britain, but with a strange name. You answer to anything?
1: Good. That's a nice open attitude to have. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read a couple things about this guy because he's he's not just a guest. Um, he's an inspired leader, empathetic manager, empathic manager. Sorry, with a demonstrated history of professionalism and reliability, talent for quickly and efficiently learning new systems and tasks. He's proficient multitasker. Creative problem solver who is mission-driven while focusing on superior customer service and the bottom line. Yes, I did get some of this from LinkedIn. Skilled communicator, collaborator with a track record of maintaining confidence, clarity, and open-mindedness mind, open with, within a chaotic and high-pressure situations. Specialties, strategic planner, program research, design, staff leadership management, and customer service focus. Active Recovery Network is what he brings as his business, and he'll tell you more about that, a radical and fresh approach to addiction recovery and mental health wellness continuum of care by providing in-home, community-based recovery support integrated with wellness solutions. Many of his clients, families, referring professionals refer to them as the Street IOP, Intensive Outpatient Program, as we bring our therapeutic recovery support, job, and life skills training, educational support, and wellness program to our clients' Front door. Basically, an in home delivery service. And in this current environment, uh, I don't think anyone's doing what you're doing the way you're doing it and you did it before. So, that being said, he's also a dad. And, uh, you know, I like to call him a friend as well. So, with that, I'm going to turn it over to Britton real quick and I'm going to let him tell us a little bit about what he does. And then I have put together a couple of my questions and got some suggestions from him as well. And a quick story. Not to embarrass you, Britain, but when I remember asking you to put some questions together, do you remember? You remember how you responded? Because I thought that was that was interesting. Do you want to share that? Do you want me to?
2: Yeah, I'll let you share.
1: No, no, no. I want you to do. it. <laughs> do you, you remember? Anyway, you were go ahead because I think it's interesting because if I were asked to do what I asked you to do, I may have reacted the same way, and I thought it was interesting. And because I, I want people to understand how we do things here and the reason for it. So, um, do yeah. you remember, cause I remember your reaction on the email. So would you mind sharing that and then tell us about yourself?
2: Well, it was, if I, if I remember correctly, it was essentially, I wanted you to, to ask the questions.
1: Correct. Which I do That's as the interviewer, <laughs> but right. I wanted your input cause I wanted to know, I'll say it my way. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted our listeners to know what you want us to know and right. the way that I trigger that or engage that or invite that is I ask us to put together five questions and some people can answer five questions in five minutes and we have 30 because I really, you know, what I don't know is what I don't know. And what I want, what I know is when you get a chance to get in front of people and tell people what you think you generally, we as human beings come through normally with our kind of a sterile institutional responses. And I think with, What's going on in our world today with people, the way they're suffering from, you know, all the different forms of addiction and how that impacts the family. I want to kind of get things out there that hopefully are not only not different per se, but they're just transparent, they're more direct. And there's a sense of urgency because I know you have that. So that being said, tell us a little about you and then we'll get into the great questions that I've written and the excellent ones that you've written. How's that?
2: Good. Sounds good. So just start with a little bit about me. Background.
1: Please. Yeah. Background about you.
2: Yeah, uh, born and raised in Kansas, pretty much. Actually born in in Fort Worth, Texas at uh, Edna Gladney Adoption Agency. Uh, My mom and dad adopted me and my sister. Then when I was in sixth grade, opened the basement up to some sort of hoodlums who were lurking around the church and essentially, I was—I I grew up in a, a sort of halfway house. Uh, we had guys living in the basement, and was kind of kind of born into the work. I was nominated at 13 to be on uh, something called the Governor's Center for Team Leadership, so I had summer camp training on crisis intervention, how to be a peer mentor counselor. So yeah, that that kind of thread has has kind of woven itself into my life starting, starting early. I think I had a, you know, wonderful, wonderful parents um, and uh, some excellent mentors from church and, and sports along the way. Definitely helped, helped shape things
1: excellent that, that's a that's a very unusual story and I, and I bet it, it's going to resonate with a lot of people I mean it sounds unusual when you first hear it and I remember right. when I first heard it that's that's an, an unusual journey you've been on and now you're in the business of helping others so tell us a little bit about what you do and how your how your work in the treatment support and delivery system works because i I've always been intrigued by it and you know as, as i've always shared somewhat encouraged by it, but also a little you know, uncertain about it. Cause it is unique.
2: Yeah. Tell us a little yep. bit about it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so we do, so active recovery network, we have a couple things going on. Active recovery network is, is the main one. Uh, we started that out here. Um, when I moved from Colorado in 2011, we started active recovery network in 2012. i have been doing the same kind of work, which is, uh, you know, clinically informed case management and coaching, um, and building teams doing the same. So, We've got master's level clinicians, doctoral level supervision. Um, And what we do is we really take the, um, we take a case management uh, model and also a coaching curriculum and model, really try to create healthy relationships um, initially. We use the curriculum as a kind of an excuse to have a good conversation on purpose, on paper, that then we start to create a uh, coaching accountability uh, partnership and relationship around. Really looking toward if it's whatever they're working with. So we have adolescents, the youngest we'll work with right now is 14, up to I think uh, tomorrow I'm doing an intervention on a 62-year-old uh, man up in Orange County. So it's it's kind of a, a broad spectrum, but the, the curriculum and the way we do it is is pretty similar, which is really just looking at Helping somebody cultivate needs and feelings literacy, understand what their values are, be re-inspired by some of their goals um, and some of their some of their hopes that maybe have become lost through substance misuse, uh, through any mental health um, issues they're dealing with, um, and hopefully help them move move more into alignment with a, a positive, inspired, hopeful future. Um, so we what that looks like, nuts and bolts. We typically meet with clients two hours a week, half-hour case management, um, can do more if if needed, if somebody's more acute. Um, but we bring the family, we bring work into the family, try to have a, a sort of parallel process with it all so the identified patient in the family system is not the only one doing the work. Everybody's got to change and and realize how they can learn to get their own needs met in the, in the kind of complex family systems. Um, so, you know, based on
1: what you do and how and how you describe it, you know, when people talk about how the family, uh, I call it the family disease. I mean, you speak to that with the work that you do. So so tell us, um, how did you get into this work? I, I, I think I cut you off, but finish your statement. But then tell us how you got into this work and what inspired you to do that and do what you're doing today, the way you do it.
2: Yeah, um, I was in I was in grad school. I was uh, going to Naropa University. Uh, in Boulder, Colorado, uh, studying uh, comparative religious studies for a master's degree, as well as contemplative psychotherapy, um, it was—it's really a—it's a, uh, really a, a place where kind of East meets West. Started in '74, Allen Ginsberg, Chogan Trump, Rimbaud, mm-hmm. Alan Watts—or not Watts—you um, know a lot of a lot of the Beats. So it kind of has a eclectic. Uh, sort of you know interesting inspired future or um foundation um so what i was doing there i was studying religion and one of my professors there uh was also a psychologist he was teaching the first uh what was it psychology of meditation um group so we would have the groups we would write papers through the process of writing papers and talking about our experiences of meditation um, which uh, a couple of to the reason I went to that program is you had to do two one month long meditation retreats and you had to verify you're doing an hour of meditation each day for two years. So I really knew that if I didn't honest f- financially tie myself into the program and make myself get to the cushion um, that I that I might just dabble and not um, actually learn uh, to sit, learn to work with my own mind, which was really the inspiration for it. Um, I started drinking early. Um, I started being on pain pills early through chronic uh, back issues. So by the time I got to grad school, um, my relationship was decompensating. I was still drinking a lot. So this professor, well, teacher, um, at the end of the class, he knew I was probably PhD bound uh, for either psychology or more likely uh, religious studies. Um, He thought it could be more helpful for me to work with my heart uh, rather than my mind and come work seven nights a week at his treatment center after we were finished with the class. So I did that, started that in 2002. um, And then in 2004, he started, uh, what was it? Living Well Transitions in Boulder, and I was the first staff member there, Um, built the furniture, was my first full week of employment. And that was doing this in-home case management model. So in 2004, started that, he died in 2007. So I took over the program uh, and grew it up to 12 clinicians, I think we had about 10 mentors doing the same thing we're doing here. but doing that in, in Boulder. So when I moved out here, worked for a couple treatment centers um, and then just the need was still there, post-treatment support, pre-treatment screening, assessment intervention. So that's kind of, that's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's really kind of keeping his legacy and his vision alive because it was, uh, it was, it was big. It's a, it's a big vision. So um, I'm, I'm honored to kind of keep, doing what we do in his, and his memory.
1: Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. So tell, tell us what, what is your, why? Hmm. I saw that question. I thought that's an interesting question. What is your, why? And what do, yeah, you, even well, mean, what do you mean by that question? Actually, why you're yeah, doing this well, while you're on the planet, what your mission is, why?
2: I it's, it, it is, it's a, it's one of those big, uh, big questions that I don't know exactly how to answer so that's part of why i put it on there um one one of my whys is is my daughter um you know kaya's 11 uh try to see her every every opportunity i I get Um, she's she's been a huge uh a huge gift um really makes me want to be the you know the best person that i can be Um, when i think about the why i'm i'm really inspired by the work that we do and i think as a as a buddhist practitioner um there's in buddhism there's it's it's said that there's an outer inner and secret level to everything so when i look when i use that lens to look at the work um active recovery network the work that we do uh what what everybody knows about active recovery network is the outer the inner is that everybody i work with has the same experiences I do has the same possibility has the same kinds of confusion. The storyline's different. uh, The, the human experience is the same. So just as you know, I've got a sign over my bathroom door that says never give up just as working with complex situations and family systems, my mentor always said everything is workable. Um, So trying to cut, so from that inner, the outer level is active recovery network. The inner level is just seeing another human eye to eye, um, not giving up, inspiring hope. And I think the, the inner level or the secret level for me is that this is a, this is a vow I took. Um, there, there's a, uh, so the second, the second month long retreat uh, is when you can take what's called a Bodhisattva vow. Um, which moves you from the Hinayana to the Mahayana path, and Mahayana is a lot of uh, visualization and breath work around exchange of self and other. Um, this is a a vow to uh, liberate the, uh, all sentient beings from from suffering. So there's that level. I think that secret level is is a big part of my why, a big part of why I you know do tons of burpees, do ice baths, do is really just to be able to tolerate my own mind, um, connect with others' hearts, and really do this kind of Bodhisattva or Samaya vow, which is a vow you kind of make with your teacher. Um, Even though I didn't do that with with Bill Sell, my uh, old mentor, uh, whose ashes sit on my shrine with my father's, um, I feel that's that's that secret level and that's really my why.
1: Awesome. You know, I, I, uh, I like that saying, taking that 12 inch trip from your head to your heart. It sounds like, uh, you had a chance to do that early on. And and while on that journey, you were able to make a genuine commitment, not only to yourself, but to your family as well. And that's a, that's a truism. You don't see a lot today in a lot of people just because of the way society tends to want to make us do what it is they think we need to do. And then we get stuck in that and don't know how to get out of it. Right. So, So what, Go ahead.
2: Let I me, mean, if I can, just one one more thought is, you know, a lot of people will ask, how do you how do you do all this work, right? And I'm sure you get that a lot, Scott, as well. Um, it's a gift, it's an honor, and it's a privilege to be let into the most sacred, se- secret, tough, raw parts of people's lives and people's stories. Um, to be able to go there in an unflinching way, where nothing's shocking. Um, you can just be that, you know, that, unconditional positive regard, uh, kind of support person is, is, is,
1: you know, it's, it's like a, um, it's like an emotional swimming pool. You know, I, 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 I like you and, you know, but I've heard rumors that you haven't slept in four years, so that's how you really get into it, but it, it is, and it's, it's the kind of thing that, you know, uh, it keeps me centered, and you know, I, I'm on a variety of different Zoom meetings, my own recovery program, and actually, I'm speaking this afternoon to a group of inpatients across the country, and I was warned that you know some of them might be catatonic, some might be on medication, and I'm thinking, oh my God, I don't really care. I mean, as long as there's somebody there, and they said there'll be a staff person who'll probably be sober, so that'll be helpful. <laughs> at least I'll, I'll find them and establish some eye contact at the Zoom call but uh, you know it is unique work and, and and as you know in this industry there aren't a lot of people that, that take that 12 inch trip from their head to their heart and there's a lot of people in this industry of of helping others uh, who who called it somebody once in one of, one of your segments uh, you do every week said uh, the the uh, help is it the helpless helpless hope, uh, helper hopeless helper hopeless helper and i know i'm one of those and i think you probably are as well so tell us what what does the next couple of years look like? I know you're busy you know you, you haven't you haven't been moving fast enough you're expanding your business you're adding staff you've put a new dimension to it I know I've heard you talk about it, but you want to share that uh, with us uh, what's going on or is that uh, waiting to be launched publicly
2: yeah no it's um, there's, yeah there's a few things going on so we've we've wanted to we had expanded to Orange County a few years back but kind of downsized um, in 2017 back to just san diego um, uh, really because i didn't want to drive to orange county uh, and we did not we didn't have boots on the ground there so what we're doing now is i've got our our first outreach clinical outreach person uh, admissions person coming on um, after eight years figured it's time to finally pull the trigger on that um, we're going to be expanding to orange county also la for active recovery network but we're also We partnered with Tracy Wilson to open VESA Living uh, Recovery Homes for Primary Mental Health. We've got four residents in there right now down by SDSU. Uh, We're hoping to open three houses uh, in each San Diego, Orange County, L.A. within the next year. Um, That's going well with the groups and the one-on-ones there as well. Um, Then we're also uh, officially launching something called the Recovery Collective, which is a uh, networking and education uh, group that will hopefully cover San Diego, Orange County and uh, Los Angeles. So really just adding adding another dimension, another, you know, kind of voice to networking and education and and collaboration uh, in the in the treatment, recovery and wellness kind of paradigm. So that's that's the plan for the next few years and we'll see if further expansion of A vector recovery network or the VESA living homes is, is in the cards.
1: So, so a direct question. So you just, you just weren't happy with a 14 hour day. Is that what you're trying to say?
2: (laughs) You know, it's Bill, Bill sells vision was, was huge and I'm, I'm pretty inspired and driven and I know people are suffering everywhere. Um, So yeah, I figured, I figured why not?
1: Yeah. You know, you'll start, you'll start sleeping when you get to be my age. I get it. I understand. I mean, if you've got, if you have a gift, you feel the gift and you want to share it with others, you know, what would you wait for? I mean, why not? I mean, you know, as a ex tweaker for me, it doesn't really, I don't think of my work as my work. It's what I love to do. And you know, I, I take phone calls seven days a week. I'm sure like you do. And you know, when, when somebody needs help, it's hard to schedule them 90 days away, you know? And when I refer people to some of these medical professionals, in our industry, and they say, well, I can't see anybody until October 15th. It's like, what? What are you doing all day long? It's just amazing. So if you weren't doing this, Britton, what would you be doing? If you weren't doing what you're doing now, um, what would you be doing?
2: I would likely be writing a lot. Um, I don't know if it would be having my own blog, writing books, I love, I love to write, that's a passion of mine. Um, I would probably also do a couple things that I may do down the road. One is have a, I, I, I'd love to have a podcast about um, inspiring people to start their own businesses, to live their dreams um, and interview people who have, who have done that. i have actually got a, um, got an idea for it. Um, and we'll, we'll see if it manifests in the, in the next couple of years, but, you know, just something that can really, you know, people can hear ordinary, you know, sort of heroes. I know that's a, a term thrown out there, but people who had a vision and, and made it happen and are actually living their their dreams. Uh, not in a, you know, feet up in a hammock, but like, you know, started their yoga class or their, their yoga studio, sail you know, bought and refurbished a sailboat and, you know, all these fun work for National Geographic, you know, for, uh, all, all those kinds of fun things. So just having a podcast where I get to interface with, great inspiring people and, and get to share that um lastly i would there's something in um in buddhism called lojong mind training slogans um essentially when uh monks came out of their three year retreats in tibet came back into the community they realized they had a different kind of work to do which had to do less with their mind in isolation more with their mind and hearts in in public there's that saying that's, if you think you're enlightened, go spend a weekend with your family. Um, so they, they were triggered in these, these mind training slogans, which um, are in a book called Training the Mind, um, is really trying to cultivate the heart of love and kindness. I'd love to have a t-shirt company that just has little phrases and slogans that subtly peppers the world with kind of more compassionate thought. So.
1: A true, a true passionate stakeholder on the planet. So let me ask you this: what What do you regret? Hmm. By the way, this is my question, not yours. Yeah. <laughs>
2: what let do you regret? Re- yeah. What do I regret? Um. You know, it's interesting. When I when I moved out here in two thousand eleven, I followed my daughter's mom out here. I had no. I, I lived where I wanted to live. I had a house on the river in Boulder or north of Boulder, 12 miles north of Boulder. Um, when I ended up out here, I regretted. Well, what I had to do I, I, initially, I regretted not spending more time with my friends, not doing more backcountry, snowboarding, not climbing more mountains. Um, so, a way I I started to work with regret was that um, the to you, to utilize the power of regret now meaning what what do I need to do now to not regret things in the future when I'm looking back on now. So since 2012, I've really tried to um, live a life without regrets as much as possible. Um, so I really can't, other than kind of spending more time with people who have passed, um, I really, I really can't think of much that I regret. I think there's a lot of things I've re, retooled and retuned, you know, to, to make sure I'm, I'm kind of living in accordance with my, with my values. So I can't think I've made mistakes for sure a lot. <laughs> um, but I, but I can't really, say i have a whole lot of regrets
1: right now good so the next question i have is what most pleases you
2: Hmm. um i think the thing that most pleases me is just any sort of interactions with my daughter um just seeing how kind wise smart and benevolent. She is, she's a real helper. She's multilingual. Um, she's a leader in, in school. Um, yeah. Any, any, any time, any conversations with her um, I'll, I'll put everything aside for that. That just brightens my world.
1: Okay. Now here's my last question. Oh, I think it's my last unless you stimulate me to something or Michael reminds me of something. If you had a magic wand, and it was passed to you and they said, "Britain, here's a magic wand. What would you like to do with it right now, right here for, for your path going forward? What would that look like? Mm.
2: That's a, that's a good question. Um,
1: that's what makes me a powerful interviewer. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: Michael taught me that ask a question that baffles people, but the magic wand question, I use it a lot because you know, we 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 all we have these innate deficiencies that are normally projected on us by others—our parents, our siblings, our job, our life, our neighbors. You know, health, whatever it is. And I love the magic wand question because it—you it, know—I believe. You know, and and I, and I'm being Jewish. You know, we we believe things that. Well, we believe things that we were told we're supposed to believe, and I've learned through my own spiritual path that. Uh, a lot of that doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to be one way. You can look at things, and as you get older, you can experience other levels of understanding. And when I listen to you talk, I got to tell you, I, I I really have to focus because you speak in a way that is very angelic. angelic? It's very um, touching, and I I like it a lot. I don't understand it, but I hear it, and I I can I can embrace it. So that means I, I I'm the meaning may not be clear to me, but the, the feelings are there, the organic side of the communication. So I'm sorry. So back to you, a magic wand, what would you do with it?
2: I think, I think a couple of things. I think I, I like the question cause it's almost like that dream day. What would you do? What would a dream day look like? It's like, well, wait, is it, you mean anything's possible? Cause that's, that's already, you know, we, we, like you said, we kind of box ourselves in or are boxed in often. Um, a few things i would do is i would figure out a way to be in detroit which is where my daughter is um pre-covid i fly out every month to see her um so it's been a it's been a long it's been a long while um i would also love a little more time with my dad um a little bit more time with my mentor um in terms of my life, um, maybe just fast forward it a couple years, because um, I think I will likely be probably here halftime and out in uh, out in Detroit about halftime. Um, so I can, you know, that's that's a goal is by the time she's 13 to try to have, you know, a a place out there so I can uh, be a, a much bigger part of her her world.
1: Well, maybe she'll take up surfing and find herself wanting to be here full time. You never know. (laughs) I can, I can help you with that. I'm a pretty good facilitator anyway. Well, thank you for that. So, so Brent, how do people get a hold of you and be direct, candid, whatever mechanism you were and just your, your organization's name. And, uh, if people, you know, listen and they want to find you, how do you make it easy for them?
2: Yep. Um, phone number, I guess I should give my phone number uh 303 775 7810. Best email is Britain B R I T T O N at Active Recovery um, you can see what we're up to on uh, different a few different websites, active recovery network.com, Vezaliving.com, V-E-Z-A Living com and then also the recoverycollective.com website will be updated on Monday. Awesome.
1: You know what? I, d- I just realized I didn't ask you one more question I wanted to ask you, and that is, is there a question that I haven't asked you today that I should have?
2: Hmm. I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. I think, I think the questions were good. Yeah.
1: Well, the most of them were yours good job <laughs> see see how that worked anyway so michael back to you and then we'll get back to uh, uh britain to close us up anything else you want to add today
0: uh i'm gonna i'm gonna say no because you know scott you pretty much with your questions that you get from the guest and the questions you ask on your own pretty much covers everything and i'm left without anything to say but uh (laughs) but i want to thank britain for coming on the show and taking the time to chat with us it's been very interesting and uh he's done a great job so um and we talked to him before the recording to make sure that he had a quote that he liked and would like to share with us so britain why don't you go ahead and do that
2: absolutely well and thank you both this is this has been great i appreciate it scott and michael yeah our pleasure (laughs) Um, This quote is from the Sufi poet Hafiz, it's actually a a poem. This is the kind of friend you are, without making me realize my soul's anguished history. You slip into my house at night, and while I'm sleeping, you silently carry off all my suffering and sordid past in your beautiful hands.